0: Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. My name is Blake Burnley and I got a special one for you today. Back before COVID threw a wrench in the live events world, my boyfriend, Bottom Milligan, a fellow podcaster over at The Short Box, along with myself, would throw quarterly meetups for all of the podcasters in the North Florida area. We had been doing these meetups for a couple of years and had our last one in February of 2020, right before the world closed down. So since then, obviously we haven't been able to have those in-person meetups and we weren't sure when or how to start them back up until this week when we held our first virtual meetup and it was surprisingly a big success. I say surprisingly because we figured most people have Zoom fatigue and we didn't want to add to that, especially because being creative and making content during a stressful time is pretty difficult. But I can tell you how nice it was to chat with some familiar faces again, meet some new ones, and even have folks from outside the North Florida area join in safe to say this got the creative juices flowing, so I'm happy to share with you that discussion on sort of the state of podcasting with panelists Alvin Brooke, head of marketing over at Buzzsprout, Gary Spurgeon, owner at Studio Podcast Suites, and then finally, Botter actually interviews me to talk about my new show, Cyberly, so I hope you guys enjoy this chat, and we can't wait to bring you some more of this insight. Take a listen.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like I said, our first guest won't be joining us until about 740, 745. That'll be Albin uh, Brooke. If you guys have ever been to any of our previous uh, meetups, um, then you're probably familiar with Albin. Uh, we've had a—well, we, all right, we're getting a lot more folks to join. And a lot more familiar faces, too, man. I'm glad to see the Jax Podcasters Unite group in the house. Always a pleasure. Um, but like I was saying, uh, our first guest will be joining us around 740, 745. His name is Albin Brook. Uh, he'll be talking about podcasting uh, trends. Uh, if you guys don't know him, uh, he is the head of marketing at Buzzsprout, which is a major uh, podcast uh, platform uh, company. Um, oh, speak of the devil. There goes the album right there. Um, like I said, we're, we're still going to just be kind of doing introductions and letting folks join. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and introduce myself and my colleague and co-founder, Blythe Brumleaf. My name is Bodder Milligan, um, one of the co-founders of the Jax Podcast Unite Group. I also host the Short Box podcast. Been podcast for about 2012, um, and and yeah, uh, Blake, you want to give a quick little intro?
0: Sure. So I've been a podcaster for, I don't know, since 2014. So I can't really do math right now. Um, But uh, former blogger turned podcaster turned uh, sometimes TV person, Uh, just recently got a new show on the Freightways platform. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And um, I run a digital marketing agency for logistics and supply chain companies and based out of Jacksonville, Florida. And we're actually recording this uh, show about 10 feet away from each other. So, Botter is actually across the hallway. He was trying to give me some really bad lighting <laughs> in his office, so
1: I switched mine. Yeah, she's got the superior light now. Um, and, <laughs> and I see a, a few names that maybe I'm not quite familiar with at the moment. I see a lot of familiar faces that have been to some of our previous meetups. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, the, the Jacksonville Podcasters Unite group was started in 2012. I'm sorry, not 2012. That'd be crazy. 2018. I apologize. Uh, It's a group of of North Florida-based podcasters. Uh, We used to meet back when the world was uh, fully open. We used to meet around town every quarter um, to discuss podcasting topics, uh, pain points, share new ideas, and really just have a chance to collaborate amongst other podcasters here in our hometown. Uh, Welcome, Gary. Um, So uh, like like I said, um, the Jacks Podcasters Unite Group. It, it's an open group. We don't care if you are a seasoned professional or you know just getting uh, started with podcasting. Um, it is a group that you know we welcome everyone to join and partake in it. Um, we are hoping to get back to uh, regular kind of uh, quarterly meetups. Uh, we'll see how this one goes. Maybe we'll do another virtual one or a, a in person one. But like I said, um, it's just an opportunity for all of us uh, podcasters here in the north. Um, uh, North Florida to kind of collaborate on a, a quarterly basis. Uh, we have a Facebook group page um, that we kind of share uh, information. Everyone can kind of ask questions, post uh, their latest episodes. Um, I'll go ahead and throw a link in that in the, uh, the chat uh, here in a few seconds. But yeah, man, uh, like I said, today we got a panel of uh, very knowledgeable and seasoned professionals uh, who are looking, uh, you know, we're looking forward to talking about the state of podcasting as well as sharing some other helpful resources of you guys to to help you improve your podcast if you've been doing it for a while or, you know, just kind of help you grow your. There we go. There we go. So we got the Facebook group page in the chat. Um, If you want to go ahead and and join that group, um, that'd be fantastic. Um, Blake, What am I missing? Am I missing anything?
0: hit the nail on the head but but sort of the the goal with a lot of these meetups and what we've done in the past is that we want to provide that collaboration over competition and so really being that resource to each other and and buzzsprout and Albin and the the guys over there have been really really helpful with not only a lot of the content that they provide but also with previous meetups happening there i think we had close to 80 people at the last meetup which in jacksonville florida like that is it's pretty impressive
1: yeah i Um, like I said, the first meetup we had was back in April 2018, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know what our expectations were at the time of who would show up. It was like I don't know what other podcast is here in town, but let's go for it. And it was, I mean, from the first event and every event afterwards, it was always such a welcoming, and impressive moment to see the city turn out. You know, especially for such a, you know, maybe not so much a niche hobby now, but for such a niche thing of podcasting, it's always been very impressive. Um to see the turnout and things like that. So we are looking forward to getting back to our quarterly, uh, meetups and such. And, and like I said, I see a lot of, uh, new faces, new names, uh, joining us. If you want to go ahead at any point, maybe, uh, feel free to, uh, you know, say hello or, or, you know, drop name, drop your podcast in the chat. That'd be fantastic as well. Like I said, the link to the Facebook group page, the Jack's podcast is unite. Facebook group page is in the chat as well feel free to join that. It's open invitation for anyone that's a local podcaster.
0: We've got Albin Brook. He's in the chat too. He's the head of marketing over at Buzzsprout. And I just saw him on a Twitter Spaces Live. And so he's that much into podcasting that he goes from one audio platform, technically, I guess, now to another platform to talk about podcasting. So we'll actually maybe get the conversation rolling with him sooner rather than later. Um, But just a really great resource. Even if you host with any other company besides Buzzsprout, then you can always check out their articles and their content because it's a ton of just helpful information.
1: For sure. And I see uh, Gary, who is also going to be our second speaker uh, for the evening. It looks like he's recording out of uh, um, uh, his spot at uh, Studio Suite Podcast. Um, And Life, you recently recorded there as well, correct?
0: Yes, Um I had a, actually a, a really important guest that was that I reached out to do a, an interview, and it was supposed to be remote. And he by chance was coming to Jacksonville in the next couple of weeks. And so I knew I couldn't really record out of my Office space. This is really built for one person. So I didn't want to say, hey, you know, why don't you come by my house and I can set up a chair in my office? So I knew I had to come up with something, you know, really impressive. This is a guest that I I, I did want to impress. And I went to Gary's website. I didn't even reach out to him first. I actually went to his website first and there was the ability to book online took less than 10 minutes and I already had an appointment and I could pick the day I could pick the time. Um, So it was really, really fantastic. And he's actually just upgraded his studio space. Now he's instead of one office, he has two spaces that can be rented. So um, highly, highly recommend. He's not paying me to say that. Uh, but I, I, you know, just based off of personal experience, it really wowed the guest, and he's from Atlanta, and so he ended up reaching out to Gary. I think in order to to try to set up something similar up in Atlanta because it was so well received by him.
1: Absolutely, and and I apologize. It's it's studio podcast suites. Gary has provided a, a link to um his site in case you're interested in maybe booking uh, some of his podcast services. So check out the chat. Um, and and I had a it looked like there was a question about. Uh, can folks from non jacksonville areas join? Absolutely. If you know uh, a fellow podcaster um, or an uh, aspiring one, regardless of where they're at, that's the power of virtual meetups, right? Anyone can join. Feel free to share the Zoom link. Um, pretty much everyone's going to be on mute, so we don't got to worry about too much. Um, and I do want, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Jason Payne, who I believe is host of the Cup to Cup show. Um, this is what I love about these meetups is that you meet like other podcasts that you might be following within town, but you've never like met the person's face and you're like, Oh, okay. You host that podcast that I follow on Instagram or social or listen to. So (laughs) I heard you had to be a Jags fan. (laughs) <laughs> definitely
0: a lot of new faces which is really really cool to see and then a lot of familiar faces this is something that you know we've been really passionate about over the last few years so being able to to see you guys again and, and converse with you again is something that we're we were both really pumped about so it, it's cool to see like so many of you to um to show up and show that you know podcasting is still strong in the north Florida area where a lot of creators probably over the last year, have, um, it's probably been a challenge. I know it's been a challenge for me to, to produce content and I'm finally starting to hit that groove again. Um, but you know, especially during the, the height, you know, of last summer and even into the fall, it was very difficult to create new content. So seeing you guys out there still creating out, it's really cool to see.
1: Absolutely. And and speaking about like kind of being able to collaborate and, and hear from folks, uh, like I said, most of you are on mute joining, Uh, That's just a kind of, uh, um, uh, yeah, most of you guys are on on mute joining us. What we do, what we will offer is um, at the end, like I said, we've got three panelists at the end of their uh, 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 segment. We'll give you guys a chance to either ask them questions directly. So if you feel like, hey, I want to ask a question directly, feel free to let us know in the chat. Or if you just got a question that you want us to ask on on your behalf and you don't really want to go off mute, that's fine too. Just let us know. So, um, yeah, we'll just utilize and be monitoring, uh, monitoring the chat as we go through the panel today. So any questions you got, any comments, feel free to uh, chime in. We, we absolutely encourage that.
0: Mike, So I think maybe if you want to get into the, l- l- let's get into the first interview.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's about, yeah, 740 is about 10 minutes in. I, I think, I think this is good. And like I said, everyone joining will be on mute. So we don't have to worry about, you know, any uh, uh, interruptions or whatnot. I'm going to go ahead and get Albin off of mute and then I'll give him his introduction.
0: Awesome. Well, in, in the meantime, if you guys miss any portion of the show, we're recording right now. So we'll have this up posted hopefully yes. by the end of this week. Um, we'll have each of these guest interviews and we'll post them to the Facebook group. So if you're not already part of that, um, be sure to join that. And then in addition, we'll hopefully maybe we can send a link out. To the direct audio oh, yeah, or yeah. the direct video um, to everybody who registered, even if you don't use Facebook, I don't typically use it a lot, so um, we'll, we'll do both of those options just so that everybody uh, gets a copy of it.
2: The
1: Jacks Podcasters Unite, not to sound like a shameless plug, but it's the only reason I still have a Facebook. So, <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and get into our first uh, our first guest speaker of the day. Um, he's no stranger to some of you, like we said. Uh, His insights into podcasting in the industry at large has been integral in some of our previous meetups. Uh, He's the head of marketing at Buzzsprout, the all-in-one podcast hosting platform. And he's joining us today to talk about the latest trends in podcasting. Let's go ahead and welcome Alvin Brooke to the panel. Hey, Albin.
2: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Vodder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We couldn't, yeah, come on. You are a staple (laughs) in uh, our meetups and whatnot. And as Blythe was saying, uh, You've already got a good warm up talking about podcasting and trends because we we saw you on uh, on Twitter it looked like having a discussion about it.
2: I was literally just warming my voice up for this. I, <laughs> I like can't I can't like sit there and know that I'm going to talk in 30 minutes and be like got to be there right at 7:30. So I was like I should just do something for 30 minutes, and I was like all right, I'll pull up in this Twitter space, and then like the guy who runs pod news, James Cridlin jumped in and then a bunch of people just started showing up and wanted to talk about podcasting. So just warming up my voice. Nice.
1: Yeah. Always, <laughs> always
0: a great prepared. newsletter by the way.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. so i like, we were saying, we, it looks like we got a, a lot of new faces joining us as well as some familiar ones. I'd like to go ahead and get, get you kind of acquainted, uh, uh, with everyone uh, new that's joining us. Do you, do you want to tell us how briefly how you got into podcasting?
2: I mean, Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I probably started listening to podcasts like 2006 or so and um, lived overseas for a little while where I didn't have like almost any internet. And when I did that, I was kind of keeping in touch with everything by listening to podcasts. And so had kind of a long relationship with it, ended up becoming a lawyer and hating it and realized at some point there was an opening at a podcast company in Jacksonville, Florida called Buzzsprout and made the jump. And it's been a medium I've always been excited about. Now I've been at Buzzsprout for six and a half years as the head of marketing. And it's been just like a absolute pleasure to see the industry grow, see more people get involved, see a ton of big companies get interested in this space and uh, kind of just be along for the ride.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. One interesting story. I mean, interesting uh, career switch. I mean, from from lawyer to podcaster. I mean, living the dream. It has
0: to be much more exciting than... I mean, but I imagine it also helps with with the the role of marketing, too. I mean, I heard you uh, on on the recent Buzzcast episode, you were talking about reading through Apple's new terms of service with all the news that they've dropped over the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it was just a switch from a job that demanded a wanted all my time and in return would give me like, good money. But it was like work that I hated and you just it was very nice to burn out like pretty quickly i only practiced law for a year and a half and i was like wow this is exactly not what i want to do <laughs> i do want to become one of these people who i don't know like it's very easy i think lawyers often get kind of like handcuffed to the job because they get addicted to the money and i was like well before i get addicted to this money i better get out of here and so trip made the switch early and yeah i couldn't be happier
1: we're glad we we're glad you made the switch happen um <laughs> And so, Albert, w- within the last year, podcasters, uh, you know, have had to adjust to the changes brought upon by the pandemic, as well as the shift to working remote, as well as the rising popularity of virtual meetup platforms like Zoom. So, so based on the information that, that Buzzsprout has been monitoring monitoring this past year, what are like you know, give us like three significant changes or trends that you've noticed in podcasting, whether they be general or maybe uh, uh general among the, the podcasting space. Or specifically among the podcasts hosted by Buzzsprout. Have you noticed any significant trends?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been a massive amount of change in the last year. I mean, the first was right when we started hitting all the shutdowns, you know, changes in people's listening behaviors changed completely. If you've been running a podcast for over a year, I'm sure you saw like really tough hit-steered to numbers uh, when people went into lockdown. it's just because everyone's behaviors changed or habits changed. You know, I used to drive 45 minutes into work every day. And so I had all my shows, like I had shows. I listened to every Monday morning. I had a show that came out Wednesday while I was at work. So I'd listen to it on the way home. And like, I had this habit. And then when I wasn't driving, I'd look at my phone and be like, wow, I've got like 12, 15 episodes that have piled up. Normally I've got almost none just because, um, my habits changed. And we saw it take a few months for that to start going back, uh, for the numbers to start rising. And a lot of podcasters getting back to where they were before and now have continued to grow. Just as people have figured out different spaces in their life to listen to podcasts. Um, so that's maybe the first trend. The second was, I mean, the industry almost doubled last year. Uh, so many people realized the value of just like the, your human voice and being able to listen to people especially when you know we are dealing with all this COVID stuff it was really nice to be able to just kind of give your thoughts and talk over a mic maybe have some conversations and for people who wanted to listen just to like tune in and um you know be able to kind of feel like still that connection and like i totally understand that because there's a long time where you know i'm living overseas and i'm going man it's so nice to be able to listen to these podcasts because uh, no one around me speaks English. So it's really nice to be able to, you know, listen to this and, you know, feel connection to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of the other things I've, I mean, some of the trends I've seen is, I mean, Clubhouse, obviously everyone knows has really taken off, um, especially since maybe like November of last year. It's kind of cooled a bit last few months, but I seen a lot of podcasts start doing these cool hybrid shows where, Maybe they have a podcast and they put it out there and they, they do kept the podcasting going exactly the way it was, but maybe they do these after show times where they hop over to clubhouse. and like, Hey, what do you guys think of this episode? I just interviewed um, this person. What do you think of the interview? What could I have improved? What would you have asked them and kind of fostering this two-way communication with their audience? You know, a lot of times on podcasting, we're, And it's one way and we hope other people are listening on the other end you know we see the download numbers but you know truth be told you don't always feel like those numbers are people it's hard to remember that and so i've seen a lot of people uh start clubhouse rooms you know once every while once in a while or twitter spaces where they're connecting to their audience so uh, that's a few of the trends i mean the other one we'll talk about in a minute is this huge one, which is we just attracted every big tech company in the world to podcasting. It's like, we've all been here doing this stuff for, you know, a bunch of people in this room for 10 years. And all of a sudden, Facebook was like, Oh, what's that podcasting? Yeah, yeah we want that too. And so everybody's been getting into the game the last year.
0: Well, speaking of which, not only Facebook has dropped some new podcasting news, but Spotify and Apple have essentially changed the entire game of their service offerings over the last couple of weeks. What do you think are the biggest moments from each of those three big players and how can podcasters sort of adapt to thrive?
2: Okay, so maybe let me get, can I give a quick recap of like what each three said? (laughs) All right. Facebook. I'm confident just heard that Apple podcast subscriptions was coming out. Spotify was going to announce their stuff. And Mark Zuckerberg went down to like the lab and was like, Hey, you guys better come up with like four announcements tomorrow. Like the stuff they came out with. It's not like, hey, this thing's done. It's like, hey, we're going to clone everybody in the face. Just like we did with Snapchat. Just like we did with TikTok, you know. All these different things we copy. We're going to copy Anchor. We're going to copy Clubhouse. We're going to copy, uh, there's an app called Uphonic, uh, which is just cleaning up audio. And we're going to copy Headliner, you know, making those audiograms. And they're like, we're going to do all of that stuff. But then they didn't have really a whole lot to us. So my feeling is they saw that $4 billion valuation that Clubhouse got. And they wanted to make sure when all of these conversation, all of these articles are about to be written that they were included in the story. So I'm, I've, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts. what Facebook announced and where they could go. I'm still, you know, you guys remember a year ago, they were launching a new digital currency for the entire internet called Libra. And no one knows where that went. That just disappeared. So we could see Facebook do some of that again. Um, then we go over to Apple Podcasts, because that's like the most real. I mean, that's the one that affects all of us the most. And I think if there's anyone in this room that's really considering any of these options, that one's the end the, probably the biggest. So they launched um, iOS 14.5, totally new Apple Podcasts app. Big thing in the app is now when you don't subscribe to show you listen, or sorry, you follow the show. And it helps people differentiate, like follow is free, and you just get free, you know, you know, free podcasts. But subscribe is now actually the ability to subscribe inside the Apple Podcast app to a paid podcast. And, and that this has always been out there, like Patreon. A lot of people use Patreon or something called Supercast or Glow.fm, um, there's lots of ways to do this. But what Facebook or what Apple is going to offer us. And why I think they'll probably be pretty good at it is this totally integrated system. Like, boom, I pull it up and the, I, I never thought I would ever subscribe to Luminary, um, which had its own private podcast. So you had to pay, pay subscription to it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of goofy. Then when I was watching the Apple podcast thing and they were like, oh, there's this show that it's a podcast by Dave Chappelle. I was like, actually, I'd be into that. And oh, listen to a free episode pay two bucks a month or something to get this podcast yeah i might actually do that and so you totally see that you hit this button and boom now i'm paying for it and getting this downloaded automatically that's uh really exciting um and then over on spotify and so i guess oh go ahead no go ahead
0: because Spotify is doing something. I I feel like they they sort of pioneered the word follow. And now with Apple following suit, it sort of makes a lot of sense that both of those options would be using a free model. And then recently, Spotify also is coming out with a paid model, right?
2: Yeah. So Spotify now has announced, hey, we're going to do subscriptions. They're going to be limited because they don't actually have phones. And like, remember Android and Apple? Like they actually require you to give them a cut of all the money. So if Spotify were to sell subscriptions, they'd have to actually be paying Apple some of that. So Spotify, I think in an effort to get around that is like, really, I feel like what happened is Spotify is not the one launching it. It's really anchor is launching it. It's like if you have an anchor podcast and you want to sell stuff, you can do it on your anchor page. And then inside of Spotify, people could listen to it there. Okay, well, what if they want to subscribe? Yeah, you got to go out of Spotify over to Anchor to subscribe and go back in. And so Spotify, just by the nature of their relationship with Apple and Android, they're not going to be able to have this seamless, like I just click something and Face ID, boom, I'm paying for it. You're going to still have kind of this elongated process, like going out to the anchor page, finding a subscribing, mm-hmm. putting in credit card info and all of that.
0: And it also feels like it's, it's almost like a new podcast wars sort of brewing between all of these different companies. Is this something that it, it and we actually had a really good question in, in the chat about it, it, sort of the RSS programming that's going to be involved. All this is this something that we're going to have to set up theoretically a new RSS feed in order to accommodate these new platforms or is this something that's already kind of built in to our current most of the, the the current infrastructure
2: yeah so for most people in the room I think that these are all cool announcements because they what they signal is a growing appreciation for the craft that all of you've been working on and people are starting to take notice that hey this actually has value and more people are showing up to the party and a lot of the people are rich and they're bringing a lot of money. But like, is Apple Podcasts going to be the way for you to monetize your show? Well, probably not unless you have, you know, a thousand engaged listeners. Like people who are listening to every episode and really enjoying it and are, you know, actively asking for more content. Similar to like Patreon, it requires a certain threshold of people before you start getting real money um, from the podcast. So. For a lot of us, I think 90% of podcasters, you're not going to have to change a whole lot. With, They're all going to do it slightly different. It seems like with Anch- if you do the Spotify podcasts and you run through Anchor, I think you're just going to upload to them and say, hey, that's a paid episode. And then you're good to go. <laughs> I think if you do it through Apple, you would still be able to use Buzzsprout. And then the feed that Buzzsprout gives you, you plug that into Apple. And then if you want to have like paid episodes, you would actually go to Apple and say and give them an episode. Episodes, uh, Apple's going to do this whole thing where they're going to put DRM around the episode so nobody else can play it. And so they want really, you know, specific file types. They're going to want other stuff. The downside to this for indie podcasters, obviously, is like. We're the ones doing all the work, creating all the content. We're looking for monetization options. The NPRs of the world, man, they can just go around and upload it everywhere and it's no big deal. But for us, like, this is a real amount of work if you're a solo person doing it, you know, because you love a hobby and you do it on the weekends.
1: Agreed. And I, I want to uh, uh, insert some questions that are applicable to this topic from from the chat. We got we got two that I think uh, would be good to add here. One from uh, Kenny Embry. He, he wrote, uh, "Do you think Apple will actually be, begin developing these things for Android?"
2: So part of what was in the Apple Podcasts um, in the license that you agree to when you you get into Apple Podcasts Connect now says if you put out a show. That's a paid podcast subscription, well, you give them a license to play it on everything. Like, it can be played in iTunes, on a computer, it can be played here there, and it does say on Android and Windows devices. And we have seen Apple start to get more comfortable with their software being placed on other products. Like, Apple TV now is on um, a lot of, like, just random TVs. Now you can actually get Apple TV on there. You can get um, Apple music on Android phones, and you can get Spotify listening on your home pod. So like the com, all of that so seems to be Apple and they can get a little bit more service revenue, like that recurring revenue, then they're more they're okay, letting their software uh, get off of iPhones. Hmm. So do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. Could it happen? I could definitely see it happening because it makes sense for them. I mean, imagine I'm a podcaster. Let's say I have a big show and I want to put my podcast out for everybody. People are like, hey, I'm on Android. I can't get the bonus content. What am I going to tell them? Like switch to an iPhone? Like go buy a new phone so you can listen to my podcast? Like that's not happening. But if I could say, hey, I mean, I understand uh, where you're coming from, but if you can download Apple Podcasts on Android, then you can listen to my show. Now starts making sense. And Android and uh, Windows phones, that's 30% of the podcast listening market. It's people listening on those phone devices. So it's a pretty substantial number of listeners who might pay you for your show that, you know, you're just, unless they develop those apps, it's totally, you know, it's like out of their reach.
1: And then, uh, thank you for that, Alvin. The other question I got applicable to this topic comes from Al Pete. He wrote, uh, what does this mean for a Buzzsprout?
2: Oh, we're done. I mean, we're... I <laughs> no, think...
1: my heart drop for I a mean, minute.
2: Um, I mean, it's more competition for sure. I mean, there's like this saying like, you know, the elephant's fight, the, uh, the grass is the one that loses or something. Like, you know, we got all the big tech giants that are going to be going at it. And Buzzsprout is definitely, you know, the, you know, much smaller than any of these massive tech companies. I'm not too stressed because in the entire market, what... Podcasting has always been built around is this open uh, architecture. The RSS everything is built on the back of RSS feed, so that everything can be played at any number of apps, be uploaded by any number of creators, and it's a decentralized platform. And I think that over the last five years, we've really seen over and over again maybe having everything locked up in platforms is not the best idea. You know, if you were a small business invested in Facebook five years ago, or maybe maybe even 10 years ago, and now you're boosting your own so that you can get your own people to follow your business to actually see it, give me a break. Like you built that page and now you can't even get your own people to see it. Or you're on YouTube and you built this audience and yet people who are subscribed to the show don't even get a notification. Like, come on. Like, so what's going to happen? Are we going to be doing all this stuff for Apple Podcasts and Spotify, like if if they start centralizing it, am I going to be like, oh, I've got 400 subscribers. Only 12 of them actually saw the episode. And so that just was, wasn't deemed a good episode. You know, I like to say, I'm, I'm totally cool with all these platforms. But the whole goal is, I want to get any, anyone who's interested in my work and my business's work and anything, I want to get them off of platforms and somewhere that I control, which is your website, your email list, and your podcast. Those are the three where if you put something out and people already subscribe to it, they can get it without any middlemen. And I, so oh yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say I could hear Blythe smiling from this room when you mentioned <laughs> email website.
2: It you you gotta get people to control where the you places can you own. Them. Yes. And everyone wants us to build a a whole audience on their platform. And I mean, I just saw it today, like a bunch of brands that have some of them, a million followers on Instagram, they can post something to the grid and and what they they get 20,000 people to see it. It's like, that's terrible. Like you built a million, got a million people to follow you and only 20,000 are seeing this. If you had a million people listening to your podcast, imagine like the amount of attention you'd be getting. And that's the other thing that I love about podcasting is we get people's attention for 30, 40 minutes. We're on YouTube. I'm struggling to get two and a half minutes of attention. It's just a totally different game. And it's going to take a lot for me to be sold on. I'm going to go over to a platform and go all in with you just with the promise that you'll always be good to me. And you'll always connect me to my audience.
3: Really good
1: stuff. Um, so, so Albert, w- w- discussing all of these trends and, and these upcoming changes, what would you say? Because, I mean, as you know, the, the JPU, we, we try to go ahead and, and cater to not only the seasoned podcaster, but also the aspiring and, and new podcaster. What would you say are maybe three things every existing podcaster should have in their toolbox in 2021 to ensure continued growth? And what are maybe a few things that every new podcaster should either know or, or look into or have in their toolbox?
2: So when I started thinking through this question. I think those are kind a lot of the same tools should be coming out because a lot is going to change in the next six months. You know, we may get some sort of Facebook offering that may get tons of new people to listen to podcasts. We might see real monetization through Apple podcast subscriptions. Maybe some cool stuff happens on Spotify. Any number of things could happen. But the one thing that we know is that they need the content all of you and all of us have been creating for the past, you know, what's bit 20 years since our the RSS spec um, was adopted for podcasting. And so let's keep producing great content because at the end of the day, that's what we have and that's what we will continue to have after some of these platforms lose interest in us. So what can we do to make sure that Our content is still doing really well. And I always, those, that brings me back to community and unique, differentiated content. And so those kind of go hand in hand for me. Like, you need to find a group of people, and it doesn't need to be very big, you know, worldwide out of 7 billion people. Like, there's a few million people that are into this thing. And so, whether or not that's like Jacksonville Jaguars, or if it's you interviewing DJs, or whatever your podcast is like, there may not be a ton of people who are into it. But you've got a core audience that really wants this content, and they will love it. And then create unique, differentiated content for them. A lot of podcasters fall into this trap where they got introduced to podcasting by listening to Joe Rogan, kind of just mouth off for three hours with some cool tech CEO or, you know, a scientist or something like he just goes on for three hours. And you're like, man, I'd love to do three hour conversations with cool people. That's not available to almost any of us. The thing that we can do is find an audience that's a core community that you can connect to and you know what they want and what they're into. And then create really great content specifically for them.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, uh, I think a lot of uh, new podcasters tend to think that casual conversation makes for good podcasting. That's usually not always the case.
2: You know, it can feel a little bit more casual in the moment, Mm -hmm. but if, you know, the more you're rambling, the more you've got to be working on that editing side. So I know, um, how Pete knows how painful this can be when somebody passes you a big rambling episode, and you've got to be the one to edit it down. <laughs> uh, putting that work on the front end and being like, "Hey, let's let's focus in on these topics. Let's make sure we've all done our research. We understand what we're talking about, and then dive into it." Man, it improves the quality of the content so much, and your audience will appreciate it. You know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be word for word, everything written out. Stuff can be on the fly and, you know, be organic and there can be a little banter. But we're trying to create unique, differentiated content. People can't get anywhere else. You can't just allow yourself to be replaced by any number of people who just kind of copy the same. Um,
1: Well said. And and, and, uh, uh, Al uh, wrote, scripts and pre-production are golden to podcasting. I wanted to piggyback off that because... Uh, one thing I've started incorporating uh, amongst my own show with my crew um, is uh, Google Docs, which I got to give uh, life credit for bringing me, sp- spinning me up to 2020, you know, um, being able to share a document with links, with the topics, um, certain cue points, you know, if you, if you want to have that, uh, utilize that has been a game changer as well. You know, it's, it's, um, it's being able to, for me, being able to share the same information that I'm absorbing. With my crew, you know, that way, they, you know, they're not going off on, on different tangents or whatnot. We're all kind of on the same page. So, so I agree with you, Alvin. I, I think um, it, taking that time for the pre-production and getting like your team at, at least on the same page, like, like you said, um, it doesn't have to be hypercritically, you know, scripted and everything. I think some of the magic of podcasting comes from those uh, casual moments, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, personally, like when we do buzzcast, those are mostly a 45 minute episode That's mostly like a two and a half hour process to record those where we already have a kind of an outline. And then the three of us talk through like, hey, here's what we're going to chat about. Here's what I find important. Hey, that's a topic I don't really want to go towards this week. I think that's going to be better next week when there's more information. Okay, what about this? Like, here's how I feel about it. Like we talk through a lot of it and then we record and then those recordings often get shortened down by 25%. And so that's helped me just understand the more that I can put in on the front end to be prepped, the better um, that editing process will be. But then like my last tip that I would give um, existing podcasters in particular, is like, don't be attracted or scared by this like shiny odd object syndrome, like 2014. Uh, everybody was like, Periscope is going to crush podcasting. And then Spotify was going to crush podcasting. And then we we had Meerkat somewhere in there. And we had Facebook now is going to break podcasting. And Clubhouse is going to break podcasting. And like, everyone wants to tell me something else is going to destroy this ecosystem that everybody has been building for 20 years. And it's not going away in the same way the blogging's not going away. You know, Facebook still got a ton of most of our written contents over on Facebook now, but blogging still has a place. And if we can remain open and independent, uh, then we have the options to, if it does work for us, to actually go join one of these platforms, maybe go exclusive. Let's at least make sure we're getting paid for our hard work. You know, I don't fault um, you know Joe Rogan for going exclusive and getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars, but. The only reason he got that is because for so long, he held out of Spotify and he said he wasn't going to go in until he got paid. And so he was able to get paid. So I think we can't just allow these platforms to take complete advantage of us just by promising us, hey, we'll connect you with more listeners because then it's always going to be locked behind uh, their paywalls.
3: Well said.
1: And uh, I want to go ahead and, and welcome, do we have anyone that uh, wants to ask any, any last minute questions to Albin? You can either write it in the chat or just let us know if you want to go off mute for a quick sec.
0: I, I had one while we're waiting for those. I, I had one quick question because I, I heard, Alvin, you guys mentioned on the recent Buzzcast episode about Apple releasing something about engaged users. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that kind of means for podcasters?
2: Sure. So in Apple Podcasts Connect, where you actually go log into like your Apple board, there's always been some stats. It's really interesting because, you know, for like Buzzsprout, we can only show you how many people downloaded the app, right? Or downloaded the podcast. And Apple Podcasts can tell you, and I, this is how much they actually listen to. Well, um, now they're going to have this new feature that's a stat set called Engaged Listeners. And that is either telling you people who listen to, I think, 40 or 40% of the episode or 20 minutes of the episode. So pretty much they like it and they listen to a good portion. And I think that's going to be a really good number for us to track as podcasters to say, okay, I know a thousand people down this, but like how many of them are like really getting into it or actually playing a significant amount of part of this episode and are really engaged because if you're thinking through, I might pay, uh, I might start charging people for bonus content. Well, you got to, engaged listeners number into account. So if you see a few hundred engaged listeners, now you're thinking, all right, so maybe 10% of them would pay me up, you know, monthly. And now you can start thinking about how much money you can make out of that. So it's going to be a good number. I think once we have seen some of the numbers come out of Apple Podcast subscriptions, we'll have a good feel for what that conversion rate will be from engaged listeners to possible subscribers.
1: I think that is I think that is game changing as someone who has a show that has you know multiple segments um I think it would be nice to be able to see how long certain users um listeners I'm sorry are staying around you know because you know you look at your download number and you're like okay is was it the topic that uh, that we talked about this week that got people in or is it just that you know this is what they uh do we have listeners that always tune in I think being able to tell you know did they stay for the first 20 or first 40 would be Integral to being able to decide what topics you bring on, what segments maybe you stay on a little longer. I think that's fantastic. Wow.
2: Yeah. So if you go into Apple Podcasts now, they'll show you that bit where you can see that drop-off curve, and that's super valuable because um, there's some podcasts like there is a second segment, and you see that first segment gets all of the listens, and then the, maybe the interview. There's a big drop-off. Um, sometimes you see it actually goes up because people skipped ahead. To something, uh, I've seen certain segments in one of our podcasts that were over a hundred percent, which means not only did everyone listen to it, people were rewinding and listening to that part again. So you can get a lot of information if it's you know based on how that chart changes, whether or not people actually like that content, or maybe they just kind of suffer through it, <laughs> um, <you> just <laughs> learn a lot from it. That's
1: a good point. Um, yeah, Albin, I, I, um, I think you might have answered all, all, all the questions anyone might have had. I, I, per the usual, you have provided a, a ton of, of great lessons and, and gems uh, for us podcasters. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. Um, I wanted to give you a chance to, to let the people know uh, where they can find uh, more of, of, of your posts uh, and your information as well as Buzzsprout's work.
2: Sure. So I'm Albin Brooke, just spelled like my name right there on Twitter. And if you follow me, you can uh, message me any questions you have about podcasting or any thoughts you have, I'd love to help. And I'd love to uh, you know be of service if I can. And then Buzzsprout is buzzsprout.com where we post uh, multiple videos, blog posts, podcasts every week, trying to make podcasting easier. And if there's ever any content you think we should have created that we haven't, let me know and uh, we'll get on it.
1: Absolutely. And and I'll go ahead and add, um, I think a a toolkit every podcaster could benefit from having is uh, uh, following Alvin on Twitter because he always posts some pretty interesting uh, podcast-related topics. And the Buzzsprout YouTube channel is is such a great free resource. Definitely check it out. Thank you, Bon. All right, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, for our next guest, if you missed the first part of this it sort of panel discussion about the state of podcasting, um, we, we talked about Gary, who owns, he is the owner of Studio Podcast Suites. He has 40 plus years of broadcasting experience. And with his ownership of the Studio Podcast Suites, they actually just upgraded into a new space. They were recording or that he was offering rental space for both video and audio. Uh, for local podcasters, you can rent the space right on his website, but they were doing so well, especially during all of the lockdowns and the pandemic. People are still recording and wanting to get their message out there that he was able to upgrade to a new space now where he has two rental studios. And I believe that they have room for a group discussion. And then also in the other space, it's more for like the, you know, the the, the one or two hosts kind of podcast So Gary, we're gonna go ahead and bring you on and so with that said, Gary, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a breakdown of how you sort of got into the broadcasting game with 40 plus years of experience. I, I think that you can kind of speak on you know your experience as a broadcaster and then moving into the podcasting space. Give us a little breakdown of that.
4: Thanks a lot, Blythe. Uh, and great, uh, great presentation, help on all the statistics. Yeah, my background is in broadcasting. I ran um, major companies and broadcast facilities all around the United States. So I've ran radio radio stations uh for 42 years actually. Um so I brought that experience when I quote unquote I tell people semi semi retired, you know, I was looking for something new new and unique and um the radio the radio industry is was moving into podcasting. Now they're you know, with iHeart and all the craziness going on in the industry, everybody's thrown themselves into it now, trying to find ways to monetize. But I got into it trying to think, okay, look at is there a space where I can, you know, rent a very professional facility for people? They can come in, sit down, get a quality product. I stand on the quality product, and uh, you know, making sure they can deliver a great product. But that's why this thing has kind of uh, kind of grown into something bigger. I become a um, a, pe- a person people come to, to help them through the entire process uh, from, you know, how does this thing even work? What is a podcast? And uh, so that's how I got here. And that, as Bly said, started with a small studio. Now I've got uh, almost 600 square feet, two studios, a four person studio. We are doing some crazy things, you know, Facebook live uh, videos. I mean, videos, podcasts, everything you can imagine under the sun out of this production facility.
0: And, and so you mentioned with all of the new people coming in that don't mm-hmm. necessarily even know what a podcast is. What are some of those, those common, I guess, uh, hurdles for for newbies that are coming into the game?
4: I think the biggest thing, and I know most of you have your own little studios because I can see the, uh, you know, the, the, the screens here. And I think the biggest challenge people have is they have no clue how, how the technical aspect works. Number one is like, where do I get a microphone? It is so overwhelming and so... Um, just it's over their head you know they understand the editing aspects of it you know I I'm a big fan of Buzzsprout actually I recommend almost all my podcasters that start a brand new podcast are up on Buzzsprout you know they don't even understand how to get themselves distributed so from just the basics of what microphone do I buy what board do I buy I think when they you know they start talking editing they get all glossed over you know what do I need and I really focus on, okay, yes, you can have great content. I mean, you have great quality, which is important, but I I always focus on great content. You know, I've been blessed with some of the biggest announcers in the country that I had the opportunity to work with. And we always talked about how important it is to have great content on this show. Radio is much different than podcasting. We only get two minutes, a minute and a half to two minutes to talk. And so you got to engage that audience. And the same thing really happens in a podcast. I know the challenges people have is with content. And the planning and preparation, I offer a podcast planner and a checklist so they can come in and understand that, how to guide them through that process. Well, Gary, I, I was curious, what, what are some of the trends that you've noticed in
1: your industry and, and among your customers? Are, are you seeing more uh, people start creator-owned podcasts or are you seeing like a, um, maybe an influx or a significant amount of like company-owned and, and sponsored ones?
4: That's a great question. It's a combination. I, what I'm amazed about is, and and Obleth brought it at the beginning, when the pandemic hit, you know, like anything else, we took a little setback. But after after really April of last year, it just blew up. People wanted to do something because they were stuck in their house. In May, And the the interest in podcasting, I can tell you today, on this day, April twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one, is the highest I've ever seen it. I'll be honest with you. This month alone, I've signed more. Me- I have a membership. I've signed more members in the last month than I've done the entire time I've been doing this. The interest, the word is getting out. Uh, there are this passion for people who want to do podcasts. You know, so I, I don't know what Alvin, you know, he probably can speak better to this than I can. But, you know, how many podcasts are out there? You hear all these different numbers, 800,000. There's 1.3 that, you know, that, are, that Apple talks about all the time. But are they, you know, are they active? Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing the highest level that I've seen in, in podcasting. And I have an interesting and dynamic clientele from high-end businesses. Johnson & Johnson comes in here. I have RF Smart, people you wouldn't even maybe not familiar with. Big, big companies coming in doing it. I had the, an employment office come in do a whole major thing here to the average guy doing a hip-hop show. It's just It's just a wide variety of people.
0: Is there any sort of a, with all the guests that are coming in to record the shows, you, you're kind of that firsthand knowledge of all of these different shows that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Are there any common denominators that you've seen with some of the more successful shows, even if they're you know successful in their niche or successful to big business? Are there any of those common denominators that, that you can share that insight with us?
4: Yeah, I think the most common the ones that I find that uh, that are the most successful or their the common denominators is the consistency. Mm-hmm. I think mean, all of you are regular podcasters. I think as you know that the more consistent you are with it and you put things out on a regular basis that your listening audience uh can 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 get, that's what's important. That's what I'm seeing the consistency and I'm telling you the most successful podcasters are great planners. They really have their skill. If they come in and try to wing it, it just doesn't go anywhere. And I see that more and more. And I say, hey, look, you've got to be prepared. I have people that come in with 20-page scripts. Now, they don't read them, but they have everything they're going to talk about. I've been impressed with some of the planning that goes in, the preparation that goes in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. For, for me, I'm, I'm one of those people that shows up with, with 10 pages of, of of a plan for every single show. And I would rather be prepared than underprepared. What about as far as uh, the, the host talent? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been sort of witnessed to, to see the host get better uh, as they, I imagine they get more reps? Or are there any kind of common denominators in, in the production value, which I may know if they're recording with you, I assume that the production value is already pretty well.
4: Yeah, what I try to do is everybody has their own secret sauce with processing. But the answer to your question is, yeah, the uh the what I notice is if they come into the game and they're fresh into the game, as they do it, the more podcasts, as you said, the word reps, it's just like anything else. Repetition is the mother of all learning, right? The more they get it, they get better at it. What I get a lot of people asking me, because once they come in, they realize I'm in the broadcast world and you know, they they kind of do some research on me and they know some of the companies that I've worked with, and they'll say, and I have a guy who is one of the top, the top talent coaches in the United States. He will he, offer somebody a free talent evaluation. He'll listen to your podcast and you better be strong in heart because he's going to be about as real as it comes. He says, hey, man, that sucks. But if you want to get better at it, this is what you need to do. But he's being real. I mean, he's, he's coached people like I'm um, joining at the talent level. So, and people have been eating that up. They're saying, hey, look, at I want to learn. I want to get better. I want to grow my content. But I've been, you know, like, I think one of the questions you asked me, like some of the people in here, I've had, you know, a, a guy by the name of Bill Peterson. Bill has a great podcast and he, it was called Inside Pro Football. It was the most different, the, the different podcast on football that you can imagine. Mike Malarkey, him, came and hosted it together. Bill was the NFL commissioner over in Europe for for 12 years. Uh, they blew me away, but they got here's what interesting. They did eighteen shows, but the problem was they wanted to monetize too fast, and that's one of the problems that I see. They get their hopes up too fast. This is a process, as you all know, and everybody wants money fast. And they want fast downloads. It just takes time and consistency, and you'll get there.
1: Absolutely, I think setting realistic goals for your show is definitely a key as well. You know, uh, to your point, I've, I've had a few podcasters. Uh, or aspiring ones, at, at least, that, you know, come in with the idea that they'll be able to monetize, that this is like a, a I don't know where they got it from, but a uh, a hobby or something uh, as a way to get a quick buck. I'm like, you have no idea how hard it is to get even a dollar in podcasting. Yeah. Um, and I, no, I f-
4: am funny, it's funny you're finding out, uh, uh, Beggar, what you're finding out too, believe it or not, some podcasters are actually walking through the door where they got, you know, two, $3,000 from a, from a sponsor to do a podcast. Huh. And they never had put a piece of content out. And so we're laying in ads right off the bat. It's just, it even blows me away. Are they just do sponsorship?
3: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Gary, I wanted to uh, uh, um, speak a little more about, you know, uh, things that, uh, let, let's say like a, a podcast could prove upon, because I noticed on the Studio Podcast Suites website, and you kind of spoke about it a little bit, but you wrote, you write that the biggest problems for most podcasters is terrible sound quality the lack of editing, and no production value in their podcast. Hmm. Um, outside of letting a professional or a service handle that for them, what are some things that your average podcaster can do to ensure that their quality is up to par, whether those be simple audio fixes, tweaks, or maybe just best practices they could be incorporating? Uh,
4: you know, there's so much out on this. Um, I think what I recommend, I think what, what my recommend, to most of my clients is this. Number one is I like to see them have a really good intro, a produced intro of some sort to grab the attention. I don't want a long intro. I don't want something that's two minutes long, but it sounds professional. You get a professional voice. Even if you voice it, it's fine, but it's got to be executed. In, in I think that leads people into the conversation. Um, that's one of them. You talk production value. I mean, I'm, I make sure the processing sounds really good and I recommend that to them as well. Another thing is segmenting your show. If you can figure a way to segment your show so you're going from, you know, this one conversation to another conversation, I believe that helps just keep people through it. I posted something on there, talked about, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, it's a term we use in broadcasting all the time. The biggest thing is to get somebody to listen for a longer time or time spent listening. There's a couple of ways, horizontal, horizontal and vertical selling of your show. And I teach this, and it's a little concept, but it works. Tell your people when you come into the show what your show is going to be about today. And, oh, by the way, we have this really great guest. They're going to be coming up today at some time. Sell your show during your show, but also when you wrap your show up. This is one of the biggest failures that I see. They don't talk about their next show that's coming up. Hey, look, it, in my next show, we're going to have, you know, I'm going to have Larry King on. You know, I'm going to have, you know, Alan Brooks, Alvin Brooks on got to come and listen to this because we're going to be talking about this. Leave them with a teaser of some sort. That's ver- uh, that's vertical selling of your show and horizontal selling of your show. It's a must.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely something I've, I've started being more conscious about Um, is, is incorporating like just something short, just a sentence in, in my scripts for the intros and outros to one, let them know what we're getting into. So that way they can decide right then and there that they want to stick around or not. Um, as well as maybe a line in the intro about what we previously talked about. If I can work that into the intro, perfect. But I always try for the outro, you know, to thank them for their time. And, you know, if you come back next week, we got this awesome guest coming on or whatever topic it is. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that uh, as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the questions here is what's a way to get, get sponsors? That's the million dollar question. If I had that the answer, I'd be a millionaire <laughs> right now. That's the number one question I get in the studio. That is number one. It's like, okay, look at, I want sponsors for this thing. Maybe I'll leave it at the album. What's the best way to get the sponsorships? I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think you first, you got to gr- curate great content. And from there, you're going to, um, from there that you, you got your downloads will come. You know, I have a friend here in Jacksonville, Florida. He has one of the, he has the single largest cruise radio, uh, cruise podcast in the world. He gets 120,000 anywhere between 80 and 120,000 downloads per episode. And at the cost per thousand, you guys can get what he's monetizing at $35 to $50 cost per thousand. He's getting quite a few and he started it 12 years ago and he came into his own three years ago. So I use him as the antithesis, but it took time. It's a full time job. If you want to get there, but you know, I want people to have fun when they come in here. I want them to have a wonderful experience. I have, you know, the regular podcaster that comes in once a month. I have people coming in here once a week. I have people come twice a week now. So it's just all what you want out of your podcast. Have a goal in mind, know where you're going with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I could not agree more because the ROI is going to be different for every single podcast. You, 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 yeah. The goal might be sponsorships for one show, but then it could also lead to a job opportunity at, you know, with another company, which is what happened to me. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but th- th- there's more than one ways to, to skin a cat. I guess you could say, um, I did have a couple questions. Um, one what is all in this podcast planner? I, I anxiously wanted to ask this question earlier and I jumped the gun a little bit, but I, I, I'm i curious to know what's in a podcast planner.
4: It, you know, basically in the planner, it's nothing earth shattering. It basically just says, hey, look, it, if you're going to start podcasting, the first thing you need to do is plan out your first 10 episodes. Know the people that you're going to be going, having a conversation. First, what type of podcast is it? Interview based? Is are you going to be yourself? Is it going to be a team doing it back and forth? What is the target goal? What is your goal and what is your, and each week, make sure you have it all laid out that you have everything. And when I give this to people and the ones that are serious, they come in, they're completely filled out and they said, look, I've got my 10 podcasts raring to go. And I say, let's get them in the can. And that's, let's, you know, one thing great about Buzzsprout, you can schedule your podcast. Let's put five or six or seven of them in there and let's schedule them every week on the same day, the same time. And it's all about planning and preparation, you know, uh, previous to your your show.
1: I can't tell you how much of a uh, stress reliever it's been to even be ahead by uh, one podcast. You know, being uh, ahead by two would be uh, an absolute dream. But I I, I was, I think, uh, uh, during the pandemic floating like one or two podcasts. And man, it makes such a difference as far as not being so stressed out about, you know, getting the show ready and time to, to release Um, It also kind of freed me up to uh, start planning and, and, you know, getting those interviews uh, set up for for the next ones being ahead. So, yeah, I I think proper planning, once again, comes down to being a big um, uh, asset in this podcasting space. Um, Gary, we had uh, uh, some questions come in for you. This one is from uh, Kenny Embry wrote in the chat. Could you speak to the division between content creation versus marketing your content?
4: Yeah. Content creation. I think you got to focus on the content, you know, and how you, you distribute that content. You know, um, content creation, you know, once again, the more you can spend time on your content and deliver a great product for your your listening audience and know who that listening audience is. Actually, I ask all my podcasters, d- d- develop a profile. Who are you trying to talk to and get as specific as you possibly can? You know, uh, is it a male? Is it a female? Is it what's their age? What are they doing? What is their lifestyle? Otherwise, that's what they do in broadcasting. If you're running a specific radio station, but then marketing, how are you marketing it? Um, uh, you know, are you using your social media? Are you taking snigglets of your content and, 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 you know, sending it out? Somebody's noticed in one of the feeds. One of the things is really a good idea is if you have enough content, you know, pull some pieces out of your old content. I saw somebody do that. I mentioned that. And one of the things you can do, do a best of show and find some of the best snigglets of some of your past contents They can get people engaged in what you're doing. Like, feed it out on all the social media that you possibly can, in small, in small bites, so they can get a sense and a feel who you are. Hope I answered the question.
1: No, I think I think you definitely nailed it.
4: Um, and we got one other
1: question uh, coming from uh, Robert. He he wants to ask this one directly, so I just unmuted him. Go ahead, Robert.
3: Hey, what's going on, Gary? Um, what's going on, everybody? Day, Good to see everybody. Thank you, guys for all for coming out. It's been dope. Uh, Missed everybody. Um, but, Gary, I did want to talk with you about one thing. I know you said you noticed a couple of us had um, studio setups um, for mm-hmm. myself, and I also know Al Pete. Um, we have, like, actual studio office space, not to kind of take mm-hmm. anything out of your hands, but um, what would be some of so you give us for setting up things such as, like, as you mentioned, studio memberships, um, things for like monetization for studio space for people come in to record their own podcasts and things like that, that are outside of our own like networks or, or our own hosts that we have.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I think the first thing you have to realize is first, what's the condition of your, your your space? I had somebody walk in here, said somebody had a podcast studio. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. The guest, the person went to this person's place. It was their house. It was in a, in a bedroom in their house in a, in a neighborhood. Who is going to do that? One thing I try to do is create a, a state, a safe space. What I mean by a safe space, this is a professional office building that I'm in. Um, it's, it's clean. It's a class A building. So when people walk in, especially, I want you to tell you that 60% of my, my podcasters are female. So what equipment are you using? They have to be comfortable how to manage that equipment. So not only does the physical space got to do, but what I think the most important thing is you've got to help guide them because what you're going to find out, it's very time consuming because you have to hold their hand. I do a podcast, what I call consultant or come in, spend 45 minutes, take them through the process. And I think that if you look at some of my Google reviews, if you just picked up a phone and called one of my podcasters, he says he helps, he helps me through the whole process and helps me as my podcast is going. That's what I want to do. I just, I believe that that's the secret. You know, my membership, I have a membership is through of doing it. Um, you know, uh, my membership is, is a subscription based. You come in, you get a discount. It's a monthly fee. You get a discount on your, on the space. Uh, from my regular price, you get charged every month for that and you get a studio session. Each additional time you come in that month, you get a reduction. So it's 68 for the membership, but it's only $50 if you come in any other time. So that's, you know, that helps people. You know, I'm trying to hey, look at this can get expensive, but it's better than going. And once again, I love the roadcast board because that's what I use. I use R320 microphones. These are not cheap microphones, yeah. but they're not going to go out and invest, you know, $1,500 to $2,000. They're just not going to do an equipment. So if you can provide a great experience for them, and you look at, I like the competition. I think it's good for podcasting.
3: Yeah, Robert. yeah. Because I know I see a lot of um Pete shows that he streams up through his empty network. Shout out to you guys over there. Been really putting in work. Um, and like I've been, I've been here since January, but I've been mm-hmm. trying to still develop my space and trying to kind of get things together. But I do need that kind of like, I don't know, kind of someone who's done it before to talk to and kind of figure out the in and out of building the base and like being able to monetize it and bring in the actual podcast like community. Like, hey, if you guys need a place, yeah. you can come over here.
4: Yeah. You know what? Hey Robert, if you like, you know, come on connect with me and I'll invite you over to the studio, walk you through and I'll help you out.
3: Dope. Thanks. The so more that. the
4: merrier. The more hey. the merrier. Fantastic. Is there any other
0: laughing about this on on the chat right now? Because uh, Gary mentioned something about having like a safe space for women Mm -hmm. to come and podcast.
1: And I could not
0: agree more because actually that how Botter and I met, he invited me to his studio space at his house (laughs) and I was slightly creeped out. He's a
4: player.
1: Look, I was but a wee podcast lad who had no idea what he was doing, it, and it was actually uh my my buddy's place. He had a um he had a room dedicated to his quote unquote podcast space. Um, I think there was like a room.
4: So, I'm not going there.
1: There was like a he had like socks for um uh, uh, pop filters and all that. Yeah. It, I mean, the quality was trash, and but and but we made it. Too. We made it work though.
4: <laughs> you know, it I think work. what happens is if they get into it, I got to tell you. I mean, have I lost podcasters? Absolutely. Uh, not the to, to the to the. Not doing podcasts anymore, but after they come in, maybe they come in six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and, and they'll ask me, "Hey, what type of equipment?" So I get them in, introduced to the equipment, and then maybe they're going to start picking it up. I think you know, I've heard some really bad stuff, man—really bad stuff—and you've probably heard it too. I mean, people recording on their bedroom floor, nothing around them, it sounds like echoing forever, kids screaming in the background. You know, this gives you a quiet controlled space where you can enjoy. It. And like I said, when people come in, it's like the not only the oh wow effect, but Why I look what they're they're doing. It's, it's a professional place and they feel they're leaving with a professional product.
1: Fantastic. Well said.
4: And and, and Gary, I
1: think that kind of brings us to, to a good stopping point. But uh where can folks find more information about Studio Podcast Suites?
4: Now the best place to go obviously is to go to my my website. All the information is on there. Anything that you need. So it's studio com and you know, my phone number I pick up, it's, uh, uh, five, uh, 904-544-2110. So fantastic. Yeah, please call me anytime. Anything I can do to help anybody, please let me know.
1: Fantastic. You're a great dude, Gary and
4: Gary, feel free. Uh, uh, uh I'll
1: try to do it myself, but if you want to drop a link to the, the website in the chat, that that'd be fantastic too. Okay. Awesome. All right, folks, we are on our last speaker for tonight. Um, and, and this panel guest has actually been co hosting tonight's meetup the whole time. She's on the panel today to talk about marketing. My own
2: bedroom. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> She's on the panel today to talk about marketing your podcast at companies because, thanks to her work on her creator owned podcast, Digital Dispatch, she was afforded the opportunity to host a brand new podcast called Cyberly on the Freight Waves Media Network, which is a, a, a global uh, network in the logistics and uh, freight marketing world. Let's re welcome Blythe Brumleeve to the panel.
0: Thank
1: you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right, so so like like I like I was saying, you're, you're currently hosting. You're currently the host of two podcasts. One being a company sponsored show, Cyberly, and the other is your creator own podcast, Digital Dispatch. W- what are some significant differences between running a creator owned podcast versus uh, hosting one as part of a partnership or, or sponsorship? Is there any differences, uh, key differences, whether it be in, in your process, responsibilities, or you know metrics?
0: like there's definitely a period of readjustment uh when you run your own podcast you can kind of just go by your own schedule i i recorded uh, usually every sunday but if i didn't record some sundays i would just you know sort of rehash a previous episode and and move on to the next week with being on a platform i feel like it's almost more challenging uh, and I almost feel like it's it's I've made it to like the big leagues in in a way where now it's more eyeballs, even though it's more of a niche based audience. When I'm talking to like, you know, the B2B crowd, the logistics, the supply chain crowd, uh, it's more I'd say it's, you know, a niche space, even though these are billion dollar industries that affect damn near every part of our lives. Um, But with with those two key differences, I feel like I have to be more on point with the FreightWaves Cyberly show versus my own podcast, where I can have a guest on and I can kind of, you know, freely talk about, you know, whatever I want. When you work for a media platform, and even when you work for, you know, say a radio station or a TV platform, you know, maybe some of you have done some local TV. If you were to get a job at a local TV station, you wouldn't be allowed to do anything else with any other media company unless they're an official partner of that TV station. And that's sort of the freedom that you have with podcasting is that you can have whoever the hell you want on. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. But with, I guess, you know, the, those greater expectations and with actually getting paid uh, to, to do the show, which is fantastic. Um, that is, is was my ultimate goal with starting up my own podcast. And I've done some, you know, different ways of like using content that I'm already creating on that show to use it still on my own platforms social media clips um best of clips from each cyberly show things like that um that have still helped keep my podcast going because i definitely still want to keep that going um it's just you know more work with two episodes every week instead of just one
1: so we got a question in the uh, uh the chat that things applicable right here how, how much did your own podcast help you to have the confidence on doing a sponsored podcast
0: it, I, I feel like that helped me a ton because I already was kind of, it, that was my way because for folks who don't know, I come from a sports broadcasting uh, background. So I've been in the broadcasting game for a little while, but it, I'm now hosting my own show. And so going from having co-hosts to feed off of, especially you know when they're right beside you is I think a little bit not I think it it definitely is a lot easier to be able to feed off of that energy, to be able to know who's going to ask the question next. And when it's just you, you're kind of just reliant on filling up that airtime. So, you know, there's an hour of airtime that I have to hit my marks. For everything. I, I have to, you know, for the first 10 minutes of an hour long show, it's just me shooting from not shooting from the hip, but I'm going off show notes of topics that I think are interesting that I think the audience should be made aware of. And then, you know, around the 20 minute mark, I'm bringing on a guest. Albin was actually, I think my third guest that I ever had on, on Cyberly. And, and it was an opportunity where that conversation was really good. And so normally I have people on for about 30 minutes, but with Albin, I had him on for 45 minutes. And so with that particular show, I'm cutting down what the hot topics I'm talking about, you know, in the beginning part of the show and then towards the end. So there's a lot more, there's a lot more to it when you're doing live broadcasting versus recording. And then you also kind of have to make sure that you're just, on it that you've got to be able to hit your times. If you, the producers in your ear telling you, you have 30 seconds left, you better be able to wrap up that last 30 seconds. Whereas podcasting, I just feel like, even though I had a video aspect to it, it just feels, I don't want to say easier, but it just feels like the conversation can flow naturally versus where you're versus live when you're in a much more structured environment.
1: So I, I think it was uh, Romina that might have posted this uh, while Gary w- was talking, but uh, something to the effect of, you know, um, you if you want to kind of, you know, get into podcasting and monetize it, you know, one strategy without having to get ads and sponsors is to become a, uh, you know, a, an authority in, in your field. And I think that's definitely something that you were able to accomplish with your uh, digital dispatch though. Um, so I, w- I was curious as far as Did you seek out the sponsorship with Freightwaves or did they go to you? And then what was the negotiation process like when you were working, you know, with such a large company like Freightwaves to, to, to figure out the details and and the contract of getting the cyberly started?
0: Um, It was, there wasn't really much negotiation involved because when they told me the number per show, which was significantly more than I made in sports radio, I damn near spit out my drink. Um, So it was that kind (laughs) of transition that I just said, yes, like, absolutely. I'm signing on the dotted line. So I, I, there's definitely a, a level of pay increase that you get from focusing on the niche. And I think that that's where, you know, focusing on the digital dispatch podcast and, and the content that I published there that led to an opportunity that I had a guest co-hosting role free. And I did it for free for a month with Freight Waves. And I think that that was sort of my trial with them to see if it would work out. And then at the end of that trial, they still had, you know, guest co-hosts lined up for that particular show. But then they approached me separately and said, you know, we're trying to increase our live broadcasting. Um, we're interested in giving you a 30 to an hour long show. And at first I said, OK, well, let me just start off with a 30 minute show. And then I said, ah, no, I could easily talk. For, you know, two hours by myself, not easily, it would be a little bit of a struggle, but it, it, having a guest on and then also bringing up topics for a weekly show. I think that that's an hour is a really good time frame. And so going from that opportunity where it wasn't a paid opportunity, I was sort of just trying out for them was very similar to how I got started in sports broadcasting. I had been doing, you know, some, some writing. I was editor in chief over at Boyd magazine, which is a local company, maybe that you guys are aware of. And they were starting up a football show and it was a football show hosted by all women. And so when I was approached about that show, I did that show free for six months and until I got the opportunity to get paid. And so going from those different opportunities, you kind of have to, to, to weigh the pros and cons where you might have to get paid dirt level money. You might have to get paid no money in order to, to sort of show your stripes a little bit. And, and that was a decision that I made that was right for me. I know that there's a lot of people out there that will sort of talk about, you know, sort of the internship market and how you shouldn't take it. You should always get paid for your internships. But an internship, as well as any other job opportunity that you take, you have to look at it as an investment. And I looked at it as an investment into the future of my career. Here I am being able, I can talk on a podcast all I want to, but can I get elevated to that next level by using their platform in order to get my message out there further? So use that same strategy from sports into the logistics market worked out perfectly for me. And now, you know, I'm getting paid to do what I love. I can still create content and it's opening up the doors to other opportunities where I can now, you know, help teach other people about, you know, content marketing and the distribution of your show and how important that is. Uh, all of these different tactics that I've learned over the years in B2B marketing, and I can help other creators in that same area. And even if you're not into logistics or, you know, supply chain or, you know, even B2B marketing, I feel like there's still some useful tips that I I, I give out to the, the people. And it helps me with other monetization options as well.
1: You know, speaking about like uh, doing, you know, th- that, that quote unquote free work to earn your stripes, that, that definitely resonates with me because um, prior to us landing our sponsor and things like that, we were doing, you know, uh, we were taking sponsorships that really didn't, you know, we, we didn't make any money off of. We, we did it just to kind of build our own kind of, you know, podcast resume. So we were doing you know creating uh ads uh and commercials and bumps that we would play in our show uh to kind of like you know to, to show our our capabilities you know we we were more concerned about the opportunity rather than seeking out the monetary gain because the monetary gain just wasn't that you know it wasn't that much but the opportunity was a lot more important um and then of course that led us to the opportunity of of actually getting a pretty decently you know paid sponsorship because we had this history of of working with you know, uh, other brands, whether they be smaller ones or big ones, but we had something to show for it. You know, before we could ask for, you know, a paycheck, we needed to, sh- like you said, kind of earn our stripes and show that, you know, we're not rookies in this. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and, and speaking about niches, um, we had a, a question uh, uh, coming into the chat from uh, uh, Allison Gray. She, she, she wants to know, how do you distinguish or separate yourself from your niche, if applicable?
0: I was separating yourself from the niche. It, well, in my opinion, you can always start small and then branch out. You can't start big and then go small. I learned that the hard way with my blog that I started in, in 2017. I started a sports and entertainment blog and I thought that that was a niche like foolishly. And, you know, years later, there's so many niches within niches of the, those, you know, sort of bigger platforms. But for me, it was a conscious decision of when i start cuz i've been podcasting since 2014 and so when i relaunched not relaunched but i launched a separate podcast back in november for digital dispatch it was almost like a clean slate where i said okay knowing all of this information and experience that i've had in the past how can i use that to get my show off ground in november so i took my best of content that would fit that niche audience. I picked about eight episodes. I edited them. I added a new intro. I added a new outro to each one of those episodes. And that's how I launched. I launched with eight episodes that were sort of the best of content of all the shows that I've done in the past, but I only wanted to target the logistics and supply chain audience. And so I think that knowing that, I can start small in that realm, and then in the future, somewhere down the line, you know, maybe in a couple of years or so, I can expand into sort of overall B two B marketing. Um, that's sort of the goal for me, and I feel like, especially for a lot of businesses that are coming into you know the the media landscape, they know that they need video content. They know that they need podcast content, but for them, it's very difficult to find that lightning in a bottle host. And so if I could give, you know, sort of any sort of recommendation to anyone out there is that even if you're working on your hobby podcast, which is something that you're super passionate about, there's a lot of money to be made with a lot of these businesses that need the exact skills that you are building right now. They need hosts. They need people who know how to get a guest on for a show. They need somebody that know that knows how to distribute a show out to a platform and, and they need it bad. There are so many companies out there that are looking for those exact same skill sets. And so sort of the, the, the path for me is to capitalize on those opportunities right now and in the future, and then use that to sort of build up still my business and my profile to get those additional income streams coming. Because I think if COVID taught us anything is that one income stream is not safe. You need more than one. And as long as you can find sort of an ROI with those income streams, you know, I, with working on a podcast for free, that's not technically an income stream, but it led to an income stream, and so I think that knowing all of that, where you're choosing to invest your time and and how those can eventually possibly turn into an income stream or a future investment, I I, I think that that's where I would focus a lot of my creator energy.
1: Those are really good, uh, really good recommendations, and, and I wanted to to add to that. You know, you know, you, you've shared a a lot of advice uh, for podcasters who are seeking you know similar sponsorship or, or partnership opportunities. What is what's some advice or recommendations that you would give in, in regards to helping podcasters protect themselves from maybe like a legal or a creative property pr- perspective?
0: Oh, what, what do you mean? Like a like a lawyer? We probably need to get Alvin <laughs> back on to talk
4: about
0: that or <laughs> because I don't know much about. I just kind of I, I, I mean, I try not to, you know, involve Like, say, um, other musical acts, um, or, you know, music, because I know that that would get us dinged immediately back in my radio broadcasting days, is that if we played longer than 30 seconds of a song, then that was a violation. Um, also YouTube live streaming, you cannot play any other type of copyrighted material. Unless it's a parody, which falls under a weird like parody rule. Um, that's the only suggestions I think that I would have from like a legal perspective. Um, other than that, I think it's kind of free reign as long as you have an opinion. But don't take this as legal advice because I don't I, I don't I don't I don't know the exact routes uh, in, in regards to that.
1: All right. Does anyone have any questions that they would like to ask Blythe, uh, whether that be uh, in the chat or, or maybe directly? Yeah. anything. All right. Well, fantastic. Life. Thank you so much. I
0: saw a, I did want to comment on um, hmm. distribution because I saw somebody bring that up earlier. Um, distribution is everything for your show. And it's something that I typically struggle with you know, once you, you would love to be able to create a show and then just be done with it and, and hit publish and have everybody find it and, and listen to all the things. But then the reality is that there's so much content out there. There's never been a greater demand for our attention. And so if you can find ways to take your long form content and split it up into digestible clips, put it up on TikTok put it up on Instagram, put it up on Twitter, all of these different platforms, even YouTube, do that because that is the way to drive that continuous attention because everybody is spending their attention on their phones, in social media, and you have to be there. You have to be showing off your show consistently. And if you think that sharing one post about one episode is enough, it's not because your average reach for for any of your crowd that on, on any of these social platforms is usually around 10%. And that's being generous. If you share one clip, share it again in a couple of days or create Hmm. multiple clips. I I've, I've done really well, especially on LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn is sort of maybe the redheaded stepchild when it comes to social media marketing, but as far as organic reach, it is a gold mine right now. If you are involved in any kind of business marketing or anything like that, get your show on LinkedIn because they are looking for creators to upload even digestible small clips to their platform. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend that to any folks that are out there. Um, just focus on distribution because a lot of marketers will say you should spend 80% of your time on distribution and 20% of your time on actually creating the content itself.
1: But we did get a uh, uh, question from uh, from the chat. This one's from uh, Romina. She asks, I host two other podcasts, so three total, mine and two other ones I'm hired for. I often have an issue on changing the mindset of my podcast and other official podcasts. How do you switch gears to bring your best on both platforms?
0: Ooh, I think... I think this is kind of a tough one because it really depends on the content of the episode. I think as long as you're prepared, because I, I, I empathize with you, Romina, because I, I'm doing three shows this week and I'm already having like tremendous anxiety from it. Now that we're kind of in the mix, I feel much better about it. But at the start of this week, thinking of doing three shows is, is a lot because you have to manage that on top of your everyday life and on top of everything you else, everything else you have going on what i would suggest is start documenting your processes if you have any part of your podcast that you can outsource that doesn't and that doesn't need you and most of the time as far as like a podcast is concerned the creation of it and the actual like hosting duties of that show you should absolutely be involved in. Um, but I kind of get on on Botter a little bit about this because he's very anal about his editing of his podcast. And this is something that could free up a lot of his time. I understand it's an art to, for, for some people. And I definitely empathize with that. But if there are some parts of your shows, especially if you're producing a lot of it, You need to start taking some of that energy, writing those processes down exactly what you do. So you can then start to offload that because if you are hosting at least one show a week or even multiple shows, your energy should really be devoted to producing the best show possible. And then anything outside of that, even the distribution of your content, you know, write those processes down It write the editing processes down, the things you're looking for to get removed from your show, the, the little nuances that you want taken out, teach someone else to do it for you, because then that will free up time that'll free up that mental bandwidth. So you can really focus on delivering the best show possible because if you're not delivering the best show possible, then it's all for nothing anyways.
1: Very well said. I'm not sure you didn't add to bring me into that, but very well <laughs> said.
0: <laughs> but it's, it's a real concern because, uh, you know, some people it, it's very much a situation where you don't trust, and I go through it too, you don't trust somebody else to do as good of a job as you would do. Mm-hmm. But asking yourself as as a true creator and as you're growing, the only way you can grow is if you start to remove yourself from the things that you absolutely don't need to be part of.
3: No,
1: I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think um, I have been attempting to be a lot better with the editing being a little more uh, lax or lean on, on things that probably aren't applicable to the average everyday listener. I think uh, th- there's a few folks on here that probably spend a good amount of time, maybe hours editing one podcast, uh, maybe with the thought that they are listening as intentively as you do in editing. And a lot of times that's not the case. People don't mind a um here or there or maybe a stutter or a little bit of silence. You know, a lot of times I think um, what I need to remind myself is that a lot of listeners are out and about. They're doing other things. You know, they're not listening so uh, intently. So it, I, the little bit of, of progress I've made has been a big help as far as, you know, cutting down some time in my process, getting out our shows a little quicker um, and still having a quality product, you know? Yeah,
0: there, there's definitely some stuff that you can offload from your plate and and you can train somebody else to to help you find those nuances because I don't know of a single instance that I've ever turned off a podcast because somebody said, um, too many times. If it's a bad show, (laughs) it's a bad show. You're, then I won't go back. But I've, the the people that would actually turn off a show, I think is very, very fractionally low.
1: Yeah, I I liked what Alvin said um, earlier, you know, uh, about the, you know, people, I, I would. I think a majority of people listen to podcasts because of that, you know, that conversational tone, that, that human connection, hearing other humans converse about a topic I enjoy. Yeah. I'm not going to criticize you for, you know, saying, um, or, or whatever it may be, or be going on a tangent. I think that's definitely something important to, to, to you know, always kind of have in the, the front of your head. Um, but life, thank you so much. Fantastic pieces of advice. Um, I want to go ahead and, Oh, Alvin writes, if you're editing out every, um, Use Descript, which is a platform or a software. I was, I need to probably go look into for sure. I, I believe, um, and I'll go ahead and ask Alvin to unmute if he wants to chime in. But, um, Alvin, uh, what's Descript for? For anyone unfamiliar,
2: so all the editors in the room know, and especially people like Al Pete who've got a music background, all the editing software we're using is really designed for music, and we inherited it as podcasters. And so, if you're using something like GarageBand or Audacity, that was made for musical instruments in many cases, or, you know, song. Well, the script is basically Google Docs. What it does is like you record your audio and then it's like a Google Doc where it's got all, it actually transcribes your audio and you edit the audio by editing the Google Doc. So you like delete a section and it's deleted. And then. Um, you, you know, you move something and it moves the audio and you can go in and they've got this thing called, I think, filler word removal, where you just say like, Hey, what are all the filler words? So obviously, um, so like any of that stuff, let me just going through and it says, here's one, here's one, here's one, remove all, remove all of them. And so if you're the person who's doing this, like editing and you kind of, you really want all this taken out. It can be a game changer for saving time on your audio.
1: Yeah, I, I just uh, linked <laughs> Warren said my life is a lie.
2: <laughs>
1: I just uh, linked, I just linked the uh, not only the website, but also the YouTube video that um, I remember Blythe showing me. I think when the company was first launching or making it public, it blew my mind seeing this commercial of people yeah. recording audio, reading it, cutting out certain words, and then that was the audio. It was it was insane. So yeah, that's definitely a great tool if you are. I, I
0: will say that I, I personally, um, I, I I've personally tried it before, and I, I really liked it. My podcast editor was a, um, he was a little elitist, and he said that it was too choppy. So he was able to then clean it up for me after <laughs> using Descript. Um, I imagine, but I got it like right when they first launched, so I imagine that that maybe they they've added some additional um, gaps in there in order in order to help it keep from being so choppy. Um, but then it was probably also the way I speak because I literally just said, um, so. I think it's
2: probably more on us to
0: stop saying um so much and, and to have a clear thought before we actually speak.
2: Oh, it's so good. It, it helped me a ton. They've gotten a lot better. It, I know what you're talking about it's choppy. The next level thing that they have is if you upload audio of yourself talking, they will create like a mimic of your voice. Hmm. So even a word that you did not say, you could type it and they will auto generate you saying that word. So if wow. like, you know, if I misspoke in the podcast, and I say something dumb and I'm like, oh, I really wish I'd said Amazon. So saying Apple there, well, you just delete it and you type it out and yeah deep fake podcast time so <laughs> to do that. If we're all it,
0: gonna be out of business soon
2: <laughs> it's only if it's your own if it's your own voice so they have a way like you upload yourself reading their disclaimer but it sounds good it sounds mm-hmm. really good Don't and tell it's me kind that. of shocking and Ooh. a little bit weird but you can uh save yourself some editing time
1: yeah no that's that is a yeah i, I gotta check that out um, I think we
2: did a video if anybody wants oh, yeah, yeah, plus Sprout YouTube channel. We've got a Descript uh, walkthrough where we just kind of try to teach the basics.
1: Yeah, please link that. That'd be great. And um, since we are uh, at nine o'clock and pretty much at, at a good uh, uh, closing time, I will go ahead and do one last call for any uh, last minute questions, uh, topics, anything quick that we can uh, quickly address. Feel free to either write it in the chat or let me know if you want to go off mute. All right, well, looks like we might be good Hope you to guys go. enjoy
0: would you guys want more of of these kind of shows or or would you prefer more in person? I think that's kind of our our next yes. step to take a lesson from Gary. we're gonna talk about the next show, and <laughs> I feel like we could probably do a combination of both
1: yeah, that'd be good to know, yeah, if you guys enjoy um uh I think we were hesitant to um do. Uh, virtual last year because we were. It seemed like every quarter we were hoping that the situation would get better that we could meet up in person. And I think we also just wanted to avoid adding to virtual meeting fatigue because I think everyone was just kind of tired of of meeting virtual meetings. But um, I think me and Blythe have discussed. You know, if the if the Jacks podcasters group is up for an in person meeting, maybe that's something we can we can talk about or look to do uh, sometime in, in July or you know uh, late third quarter. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you guys, which kind of brings me to um. To, to my point as far as if you haven't, you know, if, if you're on Facebook and you'd like to join the official podcaster group, um, I will go ahead and link that in the chat. Once again, like I said, that's where we kind of distribute all of our news, whether it be a meetup. Uh, you can also post questions, uh, uh, you know, your latest episodes. We do a monthly um, episode thread. So feel free to join our Facebook group page as well. Um, I want to go ahead and thank our, our panel guests as well as you guys for joining us. I'm glad to see that our first virtual meetup was a success. We had, a, like I said, a lot of new faces, a lot of familiar faces. And uh, I want to go and, like I said, thank uh, Alvin and Gary and, and Blythe as well for being such good panelists and sharing uh, really great information. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're going to try to get back to our regular quarterly in-person meetup starting in July. Uh, join the Facebook group page uh, if you haven't already. And with that being said, I think it's I think it's good time to go ahead and bid you adieu. Blythe, you, you got anything to say? Any closing remarks?
0: No, I just, I I just dropped in the chat that we have a list, a Google spreadsheet of everyone's podcast. If you're new here, um, we'll, we'll actually throw that link up on Facebook. We can probably throw it up tomorrow and anybody who's new can throw their, their show info into that spreadsheet. It's sort of like a mass list directory of every podcaster that's in Jacksonville and so if you if you maybe have met somebody you know here tonight and you want to hear more of their work um, it'll actually be listed in that Google spreadsheet it's been a while since we've updated that document yeah, so we'll, we'll do another refresher um, perhaps tomorrow where everybody can add in maybe their updated podcast if you have a new one uh, like myself um, <laughs> so we can add that information in and share it with everybody
1: and Robert asked you a good question will this be edited or will we be posting the raw footage from tonight on the group page Um, I think we'll probably just edit just to to get the main uh, panel discussion Um, and of course you know what type of podcast or meetup group would be would we be if we didn't release this as a podcast in audio form so we should have both video and uh, audio offering we'll post that in the uh, like I said the Facebook group page Uh, if some of you aren't on the Facebook group page I think we'll be able to email everyone via Eventbrite uh, to that link all right well thank you once again thank you guys so much for joining you guys have a great rest of your evening be well take care and until next time we meet
0: i hope you enjoyed this episode of the digital dispatch podcast as always you can find each show i publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io if you like this podcast and i think you'll love another show i host Cyberly, which covers the attention economy b2b marketing and how it all ties into the world of logistics that show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on FreightWaves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or, again, over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Burnley and I will see you real soon.